All right, church, if I could get you to come back to your seats as we turn our attention to the reading and the preaching of God's Word. This morning, we are taking some time to commemorate and to reflect on the home campaign that we've been enduring over the last, enduring, it's not enduring, that we've been going through over the last eight weeks. The purpose of this home campaign was to make this physical church more of a home. And so there is a lot to celebrate because your gifts have made this place more and more of a home. So for example, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you go down towards the bathrooms, there's this awesome water fountain that is usable now. And it's not one of these water fountains that you can like, I don't even want to use the bad words, They're not bad words, but like put your mouth around, okay? It's, it's like a real water bottle thing. The kids will like literally get up to it and just like suck it like it's a bottle. Like, no, that's not, no. So we got a regular bottle water filter. Thank you for that. Um, I, obviously, when you pulled up, you saw the sign, Central Hope sign. That went up this week. That was because of your gifts and your contributions to the home campaign. Thanks be to God. And consider this. I want you to see this. The other day on Friday afternoon, I get like a Google like listing or they just tell me about, about our Google website that we have, which is our Central Hope website. Since the sign has gone up, web traffic has increased 34%. I mean, like, it's crazy. Like, we had to put the sign up. We had to. The, the, the landlord was like, you've got to put a sign up. But what a beautiful thing that more and more people are, 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 are looking at us, whether they come or not. That, that's not. It's just, it's just really neat how God is working. And he is not only making this more of a home for the church, but for those um, in our city, which is what we are going after. So thank you. Um, so this morning, the, the preaching is going to be a little different. We are taking just a, a pause from the book of Judges, and I'm going to preach a, t- a sermon titled Home, a sermon that is fitting for the end of our home campaign. There's going to be four different scripture passages that we're going to look at, and I'm not going to teach on these in depth. I will touch on them. But it's four passages that I think reflects what I want to communicate about the end of our home campaign. The four texts you have are Psalm 122, verses 1 through 2, Romans 1, 16 and 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 18 through 20, and then lastly, Revelation 21, 1 through 4. So if you have a Bible, you can either do that or you can just listen to my words. Uh, I do recommend you can even use um, your phone but just listen to the words more than anything. I want these words to wash and shower over you before we turn our attention to teaching on the word of God. First, Psalm 122, one through two. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Romans 1, 16, 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And now Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice with the th from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be them with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This morning I want to talk to you about home in three different ways. I want to talk about rejoicing in the home that we have, responding to the home we need, and reflecting on the home we get. And yes, this might be one of the shortest sermons Central Hope has ever had, and all God's people said, amen. amen. We're going to, amen, that's right, we got food to get to, okay? So we're going to talk about three things related to, to this home campaign. First, we're going to rejoice in the home that we have. There's two realities that I must speak to with the home that we do have. There's a physical reality. We are sitting in a building right now worshiping God. But there's also a spiritual reality. And these are the two that we're going to rejoice in. The first, let's talk about the physical home that we have. Consider Psalm 122, verses 1 through 2. This is a psalm that is associated with the psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. If you don't know what ascent means, it means you're like ascending up a mountain. And the reason these psalms were called Psalms of Ascent is because Jews would ascend to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was high up on a mountain, and they'd be living in the valleys or in the fields, and they would go up to Jerusalem for festivals and for special occasions. And then on their way up to Jerusalem, ascending up to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms in the book of Psalms. And Psalm 120 begins with a lament. We didn't look at Psalm 120, but it begins with this cry, like, oh, this is terrible. Psalm 121 is them on the road to Jerusalem. But look at Psalm 122. They've finally arrived at a physical location. The psalmist says, I rejoiced. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And then he says, our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. This is an ancient way of saying, I am so glad that I'm here, that I'm physically present in the city of Jerusalem. And note that the psalmist is rejoicing in the physical home of Jerusalem. It's worthy to recognize the physical realities that God has given to us, and thus we do that today. We rejoice in the home that God has provided for us, the ability to worship together in this space. And let me tell you, we have reason to rejoice. We have reason to rejoice because in 2017, this church got started in my living room. We gathered together as a small group of people for fellowship, for preaching, and teaching of God's word. It was a very few of us. But the Lord in his kindness continued to bring people to us. I remember Easter service in 2017, we took a picture. I don't have the picture. We don't have a, uh, have a slide, but I, have a, I remember a picture. We took a picture on our steps uh, um, on Easter Sunday of 2017 where we celebrated what God was doing through Central Hope. And soon after that, we, we began growing out of our physical home. And it was honestly, it was weird. When you try to invite people into a physical home of someone they don't know, I mean, that, that takes a lot. So we were like, we, we gotta find something bigger. So we went to Mount St. Mary. I had some connection at the Catholic school there. And they said, you know what? You can use our convent. We don't, we don't use it anymore. I'm like, okay, let's, let's try it. 
We gave them not a crazy amount of money. And I remember gathering the Thursday before our first service on Father's Day, which is the worst day to ever have a first service because Father's Day, for those that you don't know, is the least attended Sunday of all the year. It's pretty sad. But on Thursday before Father's Day, there were probably 10 or 11 of us gathering and praying for what God would do through that space. And while we're praying, the nuns are packing up the silverware. And I remember reflecting the Protestants are replacing the Catholics. It's happening again. <laughs> it was awkward. I'm not going to lie. These poor nuns who had called this place their home were packing up their silverware to move to St. Louis, and here was this Protestant church coming in to worship. And we worshiped in that sweet space for over a year. It was a wonderful space. It was a large living room with a weird spaceship Jesus. Is what I, that's what I called it. It, it was uh, Dolly's representation of the, the Last Supper. Very weird as I was preaching and seeing a naked Jesus, essentially. Like, eh, we probably shouldn't do that. But for a year, we worshiped there, and we started to outgrow that. And during that time, we ended up finding Hillcrest Hall. Hillcrest Hall had housed a church, and then Hillcrest Hall ended up, or that church ended up shutting down, thanks, because we got John Mark because of that. Thanks be to God. But we moved into Hillcrest Hall in the summer of 2018. And so for a year and a half, we worshiped in Hillcrest Hall, and there were some bumps in the roads, but you know what? Hillcrest Hall was a great gift to us. We were able to worship there without being taxed crazily. We're not a big church, and it takes a lot of people to put on a church service. And so we were, we were blessed with Hillcrest Hall, and the Lord in his kindness kept bringing people to us, kept bringing people to us, that by March of 2020, we had outgrown Hillcrest Hall, and we as a congregation voted to move to a place called the Center at University Park. This was one week before COVID hit. We were like, we're gonna move. We're gonna move into a bigger space. The Center at University Park, it's gonna be great. It's this beautiful building on 12th Street. Let's do this. And then COVID hit. And God, in his kindness, gutted our church. A lot of people moved away. A lot of people had their faith exposed or the lack of faith exposed. And we went through some dark days as a church. Physically, we went online. We put our sermons online, and we worshiped. You, 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 it's, it's strange. I, I mean, I remember vividly going up to Kevin McKelvey's house in Conway, who was our worship leader at the time, and we would film our worship service that we had online in his living room. It was a blessed time because I loved Kevin McKelvey, and I often think about him, what a great man he was. And I think about him, what a gift he was in that season because he had the tech savvy to get us online. What a gift he was. But we needed to move back in space. We needed to be physically present. And Covenant Presbyterian Church said, you guys can worship here, but we want you to worship here at night. That's fine. We wanted to be back together. And so for the summer of 2020, we worshiped together at night at Covenant Presbyterian Church. I hated it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't like night church. It was not my favorite thing. It was hard with little kids. And so we said, we need, we need something. We need to be, be with our people at our normal time. And Loft 1022 downtown, an event venue, said, you know what? You guys can come in here, but there's going to be some weeks where you're going to have to be flexible. And we're like, we'll take flexible. We're flexible. We've just been gutted as a church. Let's go. So we went to the Loft 1022. And I want you to think about this. If you've never seen Loft 1022, it's a fascinating place. It's got all sorts of things. It's got a burger bar. It's got, it's got this room that's made of brass and everything's brass. And then it's got this bar with bullet holes in the windows. 
And so they were like, look, you're just going to have to be flexible. And we're like, okay. So we started worshiping there. And I, I think one of the first services that we had was in the box burger joint. <laughs> you can go there and have lunch today. We had church in the box burger joint. It was one of the most memorable experiences of my life as a pastor, preaching in a burger joint. They would put us in this brass room where it was dark, and, and, and it was pretty. It was neat, but it was brass. But there was only like sliver of windows in the back at the top. It was dark, and it was cavernous. I remember preaching in that room, and then I remember preaching in the room with the bar, with the bullet holes. That's where we ended up pre- uh, worshiping most days, and thanks be to them and to faithful Ken. For those of you that remember Ken, what a man that man was. Really providing some great security for us. We said, it's time for us to move back to Hillcrest Hall. Because at that time, they let us uh, back in. That was the summer of 2001. And I'll never forget taking back Hillcrest Hall. It was a mess. It had been left um, untended for over a year and a half. The vines had overtaken the, the roof and the and the, the, the pavement had become so black with, with mold and all those things. And I'll remember, never forget, it was, a, it was August or September of 2021, having a service day, and the church came. And uh, James Gibson, for those of you who don't remember, was on the roof fighting heat exhaustion and heat stroke because he was on the roof cutting those vines. And Nick Neighbors, new to the church, was pressure washing and making that place look so much better and making Hillcrest Hall, which is a, owned by the city library, a beautiful place. I'll never forget that day. And I'll never forget the day when we moved back in and got to worship in that space again. It felt like coming home at that time. It was beautiful. And I rejoice that we could continue in the hard times of COVID to get back into that space. And we got back in that space and God continued to increase our numbers. Until 2022, at the end of 2022, we're like, we've got 50 kids and we don't have space for them at Hellcrest Hall anymore. We gotta go to a new space but where do we go? And thankfully, the presidential event center across the street said, you can use ours. And we went there. Many of you went through the presidential event center. I am grateful that God had allowed us to do the presidential event center. But for lack of a few words, I'm just going to say it was good that this was right across the street from presidential event center. It was tough. I'll leave it at that. And God in his kindness opened this facility that you are sitting in right now. It used to be a church, um, another church that still exists. It's just in a different location right now. And they created this space that was really conducive to church. We've got four children's rooms. We've never had four children's rooms. We've got a kitchen that we can put warmers in so that we can have a potluck. We've got a kitchenette that we can create the coffee so that you can come in and fellowship with the coffee. We can have space for, for our continuing church that is growing and y'all came in, and you painted the walls, we redid the bathrooms, we created a beautiful welcoming space, we've done so much stuff with this space to create this physical home. And like the psalmist, our feet are standing in the physical place where we can worship. We rejoice in the space that we've been given. Indeed, it is good for us to rejoice in what God has done. This is not a small thing that God has done. You know, one of my seminary professors came to the church a few weeks ago. He was in town doing a, doing a seminar with other pastors. And we caught up with him, and he sat with us in the office. And with tears in his eyes, he looked at Kimberly and I, and he, he said, I can't believe what's, 
God has done through you guys. And it was really weird for me to see him with tears in his eyes, kind of like awkward, because it's not always easy. That COVID time, I've told you this before, I almost quit. I was like, I'm done, I can't do this again. And to see those tears in his eyes, it forced me to reflect and go, you know what, God really has done something incredible. And therefore, we rejoice in the physical home that we have. It is fitting and it is good. What a gift this place is. It truly is. A church our size shouldn't have a place this nice, but we do. A church this size shouldn't be able to worship and afford this place because this, this is like dirt cheap. I feel like we're stealing it. That's like, we're not. We're paying our bills and things like that. But we should rejoice in the home that we have. We talked about the physical home, but there's a reason we can rejoice in the spiritual home. And all you have to do is just look around. I'm not gonna call anyone out by names because I don't wanna hurt because there's too, just too, truly, there's way too many people in here that have made a home for each other. I literally could go around to each table in some way, in some fashion, and say, you have created a home for, 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 for the person next to you and what you're looking at. The ways that you've cared for people in the midst of their suffering, beautiful. The ways that some of you have come alongside and, and helped those move, helped those care for them physical need. The way, for, the way some of you have invited people into the home, it is beautiful. We have a beautiful spiritual home. The spiritual conversations that take place all the time, whether we agree or not, that's okay. But there's forgiveness, there's repentance, there's beauty, and we have a spiritual home. I've talked to you. I know that. And for that reason, we should rejoice in the home that we have. Our feet are standing in the gates. So we rejoice in the home that we have. Indeed, God has blessed us in beautiful ways, and we rejoice. But we don't, we don't just rejoice in the home that we have. Secondly, we need to respond to the home we need. We need to respond to the home we need. Let me just kind of let you behind the curtain of, of our church, because God has done some really neat things even this year in, in maturing our church. But our church is in the midst of a transition. And it's in the transition from a startup church to an established church. Now, I'm not hating on established churches. Established churches do great things. But here's what I want to, to make light of behind the curtain and let you in. Established churches can develop a sinful mindset. And here's the sinful mindset. Everything becomes about us. A startup church doesn't have the privilege of just dealing with us. A startup church needs to invite people into the church, whether they be non-Christians or Christians. They just need to bring people in, and there's, this, there's this, this holy desperation to share the message with people. And so startup churches, if they want to be an established church, need to get the word out. But established churches, they can fall into, well, we've got people. We've got a building. We, do we even have a mission? I don't know. And this establishment mindset is sinful and it's deep, and it's dark, and it's of the devil. <laughs> there is a temptation for our church in the midst of this transition from startup church to established church to embrace a sinful establish mentality. And we need not take that mentality. 
I love what my friend Mike Weinbrenner says to his church all the time, and I'm going to share it with you because it's really helpful because I think it's a perfect illustration or analogy for what this church needs to be. He says, we as a church are a family, and you need to know that. We are a family. We care about our family, but we are a family that is always looking to adopt. We are a family that's always looking to adopt. So as a church, we need to fight the establishment mindset, this mindset that can lead to worrying about the color of the carpet, the the songs that are sung, the long sermons that might come from time to time. We need to stop worrying about, you know, like what's in the bulletin, a mistake in the bulletin. How dare there be a mistake in the bulletin? Like as if like we can't be human. That's an establishment mindset. We want to do things well. We want this place to be, but if we are solely concerned about this, what, these little things, we have lost sight of what we are supposed to be. We are family that's supposed to adopt. So the question is, how do we respond to what we need to be? How do we respond? There's two things that I want you to recognize, and they're, they're the scripture passages that you see. There's two things. First, you gotta know the power of the gospel. I want you personally, to know the power of the gospel. Look at what Paul says in Romans 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. God's power brings salvation. And Paul knows this very well. As a man who persecuted the church, dragging Christians from their homes and families, killing them, Paul knows the power of God. On his way to Damascus, God showed up in his life. The resurrected Jesus showed up in his life and in a moment's time, with great power, transformed a persecutor and turned him into a promoter of the church. Do you know the power of God for salvation? We must know this power if we are gonna not embrace this establishment sinful mindset that churches embrace. One of the reasons why establishment churches just focus on internal is because they stop believing the power of God to transform sinners into saints. You stop believing it. You, 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 trust me, churches don't just stop sharing the good news. They share the good news, but they lose heart because they're like, God ain't doing anything because it doesn't happen overnight. As if, you know, you can control those things. But here's the thing. We must not lose sight of the power of God towards any sinner. Realize this. There is no sinner, no neighbor, nobody who can resist the power of God. When God moves on a sinner, he transforms a sinner. And as a church, we must know this and respond appropriately. I want you to consider what Paul says in Ephesians 2 in a second. But I want you to realize that what Paul says in Ephesians 2 pertains to those of you that are Christians in this room. And what he says is essentially that you as a Christian are a walking miracle. You yourself are the example of God's power in your life. Here's what I mean. Paul said to the Ephesians church, hey, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins of which you once walked. You were dead. But God who is rich in mercy has made you what? Anyone know? Alive alive. You were dead and now you are alive. What does that mean about a Christian? They're resurrected. 
They are resurrected. You want to talk about power? It's the power to take someone who's dead and make them alive. Do you know that power? I'm going to put this to the test, church. I want you to do this. This is awkward. I know that. But I want you to do this. If you are a Christian, I want you to repeat after me. And I want you to sit in the awkwardness of this. Because I want you to know the power. And I want you to know how often you don't lean into that power. Okay? If you are a Christian, I want you to say these words. I am resurrected. Go ahead. Do it again. I am resurrected. Sit in that. You're a walking miracle if you are in Christ. The power of God has made you go from death to life. Know that power. And when you interact with your neighbors and when you interact with the person at you know, the local restaurant you go to, know that the power of God can transform even that person. There is nobody who can withstand the power of God for salvation. My friend David Sanders, you guys know him. He told me this story on Thursday, and I think it embodies knowing the power of God. He goes to this place. There's a drive-thru line, and, and he's been going there for over a year and develops a relationship with the guy who service, services the, the drive-thru. And they've just chatted and talked about it. And this past week, he had a Bible on, on his console. And the guy looked at him, and he goes, oh, you got a Bible I grew up the son of a Baptist minister. And David began just talking to him. And, and he was really open to, to just continuing talking with David about it. And David, David goes, I got something for you. I'm going to come in tomorrow. We're going to do this. And he brought him one of our bulletins. He brought him one of our bulletins. And the guy took it. He thought it was going to be a, a tract, like a classic tract. And David was like, no, nah, man, that's not what it's going to be like. But there's a man who knows the power of God and puts it to practice. That there's no one, not even the hardened son of a Baptist minister. God's at work. And he has the power to transform anybody. Do you know that power? We got to know that power so that we might not fall into the establishment mindset. But there's a second one, and it's shorter, I trust me. The second part is embrace the calling. Embrace the calling. Consider the calling God has placed on those his walking miracles. 2 Corinthians 5.20. I know we read 18 through 19. I wanted to provide some context. But here's what he says in verse 20. He says, we, this is not Paul and the apostles, we, those who have been made alive by the power of God, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Paul makes this very simple yet bold statement that we are ambassadors and we must embrace this calling if we are not going to fall into this establishment sinful mindset. Simply put, to be an ambassador means that we represent Christ. Jesus said it this way, we are salt and we are light. Same thing. We represent. We, we are light. We are salt. That wherever we are, we represent, we preserve, we reveal, we enhance because of God's power on our life. Therefore, we embrace this calling.
to be his ambassadors. So we interact with our neighbors. Yes, this means talking to them rather than closing the garage the minute you pull into your garage. We interact with our spouses, our roommates, our parents, our kids. Everywhere we go, we are Christ's ambassadors. And trust me, this is such a great calling. To be an ambassador for, for the United States, would that not be one of the most incredible callings that any of us could experience? To be the ambassador for England, could you imagine that? Well, we are ambassadors for the living king, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. What a high calling this is, but we must embrace it. And if we're gonna embrace it, we gotta remember and know that power. So we need to respond. We need to respond to the church we need to become, which is a church that's a family, but a family always looking to adopt. So we rejoice in the home that we have. We respond to the church we need. And lastly, we're gonna reflect on the home that we get. Consider Revelation 21. The apostle John has this vision, and in this vision, he sees a new heaven and a new earth. He then sees a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven and he hears a voice from the throne of God that says this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. At Central Hope, this is our hope. We're not home, but home is coming. We ain't home, but home is coming. Our hope, Central Hope's hope, is that Jesus indeed is making all things new, including our home. And consider what the voice from the throne says. Consider it one more time. I don't even need to preach on this. Consider the voice from the throne saying this is what our home is going to be like. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There will be no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. What a great hope we have. We must reflect on the hope that we have coming because we're not home yet. We have a wonderful home, a home that we can rejoice in, but it's not a perfect home. Central hope is not a perfect place. Sure, we want it to be. We want it to reflect the home that we will have one day with God, but it's not. And so we have to reflect on the hope that mm -hmm. in reflecting and taking the hope that is to come, that we can be just a sliver of that home that is to come. But this church is not. I read this in our membership class called 201. I like it, but this is the reality of this church. As to the church, where else shall we go except to the bride of Christ, one flesh with Christ, Though she's a harlot at times, she is our mother. If you want to find the hope that is to come, the best place to find it is in a harlot-like church like Central Hope. 
It's the closest thing that we have. This home is not perfect, but it is a home where forgiveness is rendered just like it's in heaven. This place is not perfect, but it's a place where grace is the presiding theme just like heaven. Central hope reflects our hope in small ways. And if you miss out on this, if you can't reflect on the home that's to come, you'll never be able to experience the hope and the home that is here. We are the bride of Christ. And this is a place that reflects even faintly the home we have to come. So let us remember when our feelings get hurt, boring. When, the when we've been wrong, the wrong color, the, the decorations are tacky, let us remember this truth. This is not our home. This is not our home. Our home is coming. Let us not get our, our arms up in a, in, a, in, a, in a fuss. Let us get our arms up in a fuss about whether we've been forgiven or not. Let us get our arms up in a fuss if grace isn't the presiding theme of this church. Let us get our arms up in a fuss if we take our eyes off of our neighbors. Let us get our arms up in a fuss. Because we want to be a home. We want to be a home that reflects our heavenly home. Let me pray. Oh Lord, we give thanks to you. And we rejoice in the home that you have created in and in, in, in through this space, these people. Thank you, oh Lord. Lord, I pray for this church that indeed we would be a home that reflects the home that's to come. A home full of grace and forgiveness, mercy and love. Lord, do that. Yes, we will fail, but let us increasingly reflect the home that is to come. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.